0: Nerds and welcome to go to their Thirty Rock podcast, the weekly chronological journey through Thirty Rock. looking you get the jokes, the references, the highs, the lows, and all of the blurgs that come with one of the best shows of the 21st century. As always, I'm your host Curtis Stone, and joining me is David Amick. And welcome to episode 95, season five, episode 15, entitled "It's Never Too Late for Now," originally airing February 17th, 2011. David, if you would please give a quick summary synopsis of this episode.
1: After her breakup with Carol, Liz has decided that she's going to give in to spinsterhood, but a special night out might change her mind. Meanwhile, it's time for Jack to discuss carriage fees with Cabletown to carry NBC on their new service. But after a bad negotiation with his nanny, he begins to wonder if he has the skills he needs. And finally, because Tracy is still off on his soundstage that he's pretending is Africa, Danny, no, just kidding. Danny's not in this episode oh. either. Or Danny. <laughs> Jack and Pete form a band because they needed a c plot.
0: Yeah, it's a fun c plot though. I mean, it, it does the whole ups and downs of a band, you know, in thirty in less than thirty minutes. I mean, it's it's weak as hell in terms of you know any character development or anything like that. But it's fun. Like it's always fun to see those mockumentary styles or those. Uh, parodies or whatever of band formation, band breakups, they're always fun and the fact that they do this within like two days is kind of extra funny to me Uh, because they even like do like the Beatles you know, Yoko Ono joke, they throw a Yoko Ono joke in there Um, but it's like, it's so inconsequential that it's like, you could forget this, that it ever happens and it doesn't affect anything, it's like, it's not good or it's like, it's not bad, it's not offensively bad, it's just like it's an additional thing that's part of the episode to sort of fill it out, but like, it's not wasted time. I feel like it's not pointless.
1: Yeah, it was just really a sitcommy for me. Yeah. So I mean, yeah, it was fine. But it was the first time I heard working for the weekend in probably ten years uh, yeah. or so. That yep. was something.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's that's one of those like bar songs that just sort of comes on with like Bon Jovi and Queen. That yeah, everyone, every white person one of those white people get turned songs i guess um but yeah i mean the rest of the episode um even jack's subplot is kind of ho-hum because it's kind of just a throwaway like it's not really anything that will come back into factor later on um
1: they do get in a good shot at the nbc comcast murder though
0: yeah, and even like there's a thing at the beginning, Liz has like, how's, how's that even legal? Yeah, exactly. Is that something yeah, that we so should like, to? should be regulated better and things like that? Um, but I mean, I the Liz's Liz's plot is, is definitely the highlight. And the fact that when I'd first initially seen this, I hadn't seen Murder on the Orient Express and I didn't know until the end that that's what it's referenced. <laughs> um, <laughs> But uh, having then since, you know, seen this episode multiple times and knowing that it was a, a, a sort of reference to that entire, I guess you'd say book slash movie, uh, and then seeing the, the newer version of the movie that came out a couple of years ago now, um, I have like a new appreciation for it. Um, I don't know, there's just something about that. Because it's one of those things you've seen a million times. It's just another thing that's just been homage or parodied a million times. And you maybe didn't know the source of it, and then you see the source, and oh wow, people have been doing this for like eighty years, and I wonder why because it it's kind of evergreen. It's something that sort of stands the test of time. Uh, and I, I like the final scene. I think the final scene is so fun of just her connecting the dots and figuring out all of it out, but still just in the end, just accepting that the simple the simple method was the best. Or is the easiest to comprehend or just to accept kind of thing. Uh it's it's a good ending. I think it it sort of gets her out of her funk. Even though I think it would have been nice if we got to see more spinster Liz for just a little like a couple of episodes, like a small run of her. I feel just like that's like, her whole
1: energy though. It's like anytime she's not in a relationship, like it hasn't been that like that's true. I'm getting a cat and I'm giving up, but it's still, I don't know, like a similar energy. So I actually kinda like that they got through it quickly yeah. this time I don't All right.
0: know. That's, yeah I guess, I guess like the only difference really is her appearance changes yeah, like that's true. if she's always in that funk but still dresses Liz Lemon way yeah but yeah the fact that she's just wearing like hoodies and a chip clip in her hair and has a cat now seems like she'd be allergic to cats but she's allergic to dogs right that's what we know or maybe she maybe. says she's allergic to dogs I don't remember that but well, no, because I'm getting confused because... I do not remember I mean, it. Yeah, yeah. No, I think she says she's allergic to dogs, but she also says allergies are a myth, and the only reason she says she's allergic to dogs is because one bit her once when she was on her period or something that like sounds, that. That sounds right. Yeah. Just like, I think it's a reason for her to say she hates dogs without saying she hates dogs. What a monster. Uh, any other thoughts on... It's never too late for now. Yeah,
1: I thought it was a cute episode, right? It wasn't. It was. I mean, filler in terms of there's not a ton going on that's like advancing anything on like a larger level, but still like within as an episode. Like, I mean, I feel like we've definitely had filler episodes that weren't that funny. So this was, you know, I thought it was pretty good.
0: Yeah, and I wonder like how far this al- this was along in the production before they had the whole Tracy issue of Tracy going out for surgery. Like, if this was something they had been planning all along, or. Because, I mean, if this is like a... I don't want to say slapdash in a mean way, but like if this is like a slapdash episode they had to put together to delay his storyline or delay him being in the show, I think it's a fantastic, I guess you would say, filler episode. Because it doesn't really uh, advance too much of a plot line. I mean, there's some references, obviously, to her breaking up with Carol and Tracy not being on the show, but those two lines literally just could have been written in kind of thing. Well, I guess the spinster thing is really built on carol's thing but um the tracy line is literally just like one line so I'm, I'm just curious how the production on this one was um but yeah no i think it's of i guess i guess yeah we could classify this as a filler episode so of the filler episodes of 30 rock i'd say it's it ranks up there uh in the higher end for me
1: let's hop in know,
0: let's hop in so we're gonna set up the cold opening um it's basically going to Put in place uh, Jack and Liz's storyline, and then we'll get uh, Pete and Frank's storyline after the opening.
2: Listen up, everyone. I have an announcement to make. As you may have heard, Carol and I broke up last week. Hang on. Why do you have a cat? And a fanny pack. And your ponytail. It's being held up by a chip clip. Because I'm giving up, Jenna. I did the math. How many times does a woman meet Mr. Wright? I've had three chances. Floyd, then Carol, and I was once in an elevator with Tom Brokaw, and I blew all three. Opportunities. So I am making my graceful transition into spinsterhood. I have adopted this cat, named her Emily Dickinson. Oh. Named her Emily Dickinson.
3: Lemon, a word. Hang on. Recent breakup, Fanny Pack, cat, quick. Who was the lead character on NCIS?
2: Special Agent Jethro Gibbs.
3: In your office now.
2: What's the point, Jack? I'm done. I took the money I was saving for my honeymoon and I bought a cemetery plot. I also joined a book club at the senior center near my home. We're reading Murder on the Orient Express.
3: You know there's a movie of that, right? I did not. I want to help you, Lemon, but this is not the week. Avery's maternity leave was cut short so she could go cover the collapse of Greece's banking system. Since inventing democracy, those guys have been coasting
2: so you're all alone with baby Liz
3: we're calling her Liddy after Liddy Dole G Gordon Liddy and my martial arts instructor Liddy in addition I have a huge presentation coming up Meeting Magazine is already calling it the first great meeting of the decade I have to be at my best I'm negotiating NBC's licensing fees with Cabletown
2: but aren't NBC and Cabletown the same company now that seems like a pretty big conflict of interest why would the government even allow that merger
3: it's okay don't worry you just keep watching Bridal bridalplasty
2: Allison had died last week
3: it's so,
1: a quite illustrious list of liddies to be named after.
0: Yeah. I mean, I'd like to be named after a martial arts instructor. That'd be pretty cool. I don't think there would be any of my name, but that'd be cool if there were. I don't think... Uh, does... I mean, England... Like, Europe... Does Europe have... like I know martial arts are, are predominantly, like, Asian. Um, But does, like... Europe have like a combat style. They don't, right? Like hand to hand combat. Like they don't really. They're not really known. I mean, boxing, but
1: Greco-Roman wrestling. um,
0: I mean, that's kind of centralized mostly in the Mediterranean area. But I mean, really, aside from boxing, they don't really have like a hand to hand combat style. I guess maybe wrestling is kind of universal, but they don't, do they? I mean, you think Jeet Kune Do, you know, karate, yeah, I don't think.
1: I'm trying to think of something. I well, I mean,
0: know. Israel has Krav Maga, right? Is that Israeli? Yeah, I think so, yeah. That's yeah so, to... I mean, they have Krav Maga. I don't think, like, Northern Europe areas really have hand-to-hand combat, aside from boxing. Hmm. No, they
1: have socialism instead.
0: <laughs> well, we can't have that. Come on, now. though um, well, so, plasty is a real show. I really thought that was like a. I hadn't TG heard of it, but show. I'm not surprised. It's a real show,
1: on um, Wii or Oxygen or something, or TLC.
0: It is an E Network show. E, okay. Uh, unfortunately, it no longer exists. Um, it was a one season, one season. I wouldn't even say success because it was canceled. So it's people
1: who get plastic surgery for weddings. I'm assuming. Um, their, their wedding hopefully not someone else's wedding the show think. followed
0: 12 engaged or already married women competing for the wedding of their dreams and their dream plastic surgery oh my god okay let me
1: guess what year that aired uh, let's see the, all those makeover shows like the swan and the Shoe makeover that was like what 2000 well, you a big hint they just referenced
0: it on a 2011 episode oh okay three, so like, 20, 2010 or 2011 yeah, it was 2010 to 2011 uh, the winner of the competition received the wedding of her dreams and had her entire wish list fulfilled. The husband-to-be did not see his fiancée until she revealed her new look on their wedding day. Holy shit, that is fucking horrible. That could have
1: gone real wrong. That is
0: horrible. Why would you ever want to participate in something like that outside of to being incredibly vain? Yikes. Because
1: to be on TV and maybe if you want lots of plastic surgery
0: i guess like i don't know like my mindset is you get plastic surgery if you need it not if you just want it
1: i think well plenty of people get plastic surgery because they want it
0: right and i I don't know it's i mean it's obviously it's a huge industry so i mean my mindset's not going to change anybody's opinion but
1: i feel like there's a lot of things that happen that lots of people get that you don't you know what i mean like i feel like lots of people get like fillers and like because it's not done like I guess the only time it's visible is when it's like an exaggerated way right. but I feel like there are lots of people out there who have like really low grade procedures that you yeah. would never that you would notice and Probably. I mean you know what I mean and that's I right. mean but that's you know procedures or whatever that they want not that they need and it's you know what I
0: mean it's so I, don't know. I guess rare. like someone getting something for like a deviated septum to stop snoring or something like that that seems like more considerable than just my face is sagging and i want it to stop sagging because you know age is the thing and i can't really stop the aging process i can just mask it or hide it i don't know it's whatever if you got the money for it and you've got the time to do with it more power to you i guess it's just i can't i, I can't personally think of anything i would ever need or want uh plastic surgery for but
1: well maybe one day you will and you'll think back and say what and how naive I was.
0: Maybe mm-hmm. times change and minds change and opinions change, but I don't know. Maybe teeth. Is teeth plastic surgery? Is more like cosmetic mm-hmm. surgery. I mean, you can have
1: cosmetic procedures on your teeth, but it's. I don't think it's the. Considered plastic. You know what I mean? Because it's not like you're... I guess it's not like are You don't really go. of fillers like you can. Have, well, maybe you can because like they can like you know some people have like what is it? Veneers or whatever. Where they, I mean, they can literally like take out all your quote unquote natural teeth and like build in like super white like veneers Mm -hmm. or whatever, but I I don't think that I think that's obviously cosmetic procedure, but I don't think that necessarily, you know, falls under plastic Plastic surgery. surgery.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. (laughs) Oh, damn it. I didn't leave my baby nurse her check this morning. I have to go back home and pay her. Right now? It's complicated. These women run your household, so you have to keep them happy, which means not saying anything as your DVR fills up with Trinidadian soap operas. Mm But as soon as I'm out of the woods, Lemon, I'll take care of this latest
2: dysfunction. There's nothing to take care of, Jack. Watch this. I can fit Emily Dickinson's whole head in my mouth.
0: So post-opening, back at the TGS studio, uh, Pete is a little annoyed since they canceled this week's show and are going to be running a best of. But that inspires Frank and Pete to write a new, I won't say hit, but a new song. Oh,
1: hey Pete, what's up? Well, nobody told the musical guest that Tracy's in Africa, so all their instruments got delivered, even though there's no show.
3: Rock stars, man. People screaming your name, hot women throwing themselves at you. Living on a bus? (laughs) Ha! I had all that once. For three months, back in the early 80s. Really? What band were you in? Yep, I was in Loverboy. But then I had to choose between staying in the band or taking that college scholarship to study TV budgeting. I made my choice. That part of my life is over. Hey, it's never too late. What did you just say? It's never too late. It's never too late for now. Yesterday's dreams are gone. But today I'm singing this song. Cause it's never too late. It's never too late, it's too late for now. We need to start a band. I think we just did.
0: Like, that song sucks, right? Like, I, mean, I think that's the point. Yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I know it's supposed to be bad, but. But I mean, that's. I get the whole joke, right? Is just. You stumble on magic with massive air quotes there, and you form a band you know apropos of nothing and then that's how it works you know, and then it instant success and fame you know, exactly it's, that's how it's always worked for millions worldwide
1: Yep. Yeah. and working for the weekend a song i never heard before i got to college every college a cappella group did it constantly throughout oh, college wow. so i heard it all the time and i haven't heard it since until well whenever this episode first aired and now
0: I mean i'm saddened that you had to hear it that much acapella style but i'm also bewildered you've never heard it before i mean, I mean I it's probably the like worst thing i maybe i had did but didn't, didn't
1: know didn't know enough about it to recognize know, it i anymore. feel like it was a
0: staple of like yeah uh, 80s 90s radio i feel like it was one definitely one of those like it played every friday like around uh, five make, o'clock yeah, that would make sense to hype up people um,
1: yeah, I've been working all week for the weekend. Yeah. Oh, How I mean, there, were, God, there
0: was some song I remember because um, my parents used to love. I mean, they still do, but they would listen to country music all nine the time. to five. No, it wasn't that. <laughs> it was something I don't. I couldn't tell you who sings it. And the only one I really remember is something about money burning a hole in my pocket. Like I'm ready for the weekend or something like. I don't. It's some country song that I mean like, they played it literally every because I remember we would be in. Uh, my dad's work like waiting for him to come out like we were picking him up and every five o'clock the radio station would play that same song every Friday at five and I was just like oh my god I hate this so much but so Lover Boys being an 80s song about that makes sense like not mad at it it's not a song I really care for
1: why do you hate Pete and his
0: band I don't know the IMDb trivia had an interesting note where obviously they clarify that Scott Adsit was never in Loverboy but, <laughs> the I want ma- to clarify that. but the last thing they say is the drummer for Loverboy is Matt Vincente. which who I won well, I don't even know why that's trivia because it doesn't link to anything but also Pete wasn't playing drums Pete was playing like guitar or bass so why does the drummer matter and
1: maybe the drummer's
0: publicist saw an opportunity and maybe. uh <laughs> I mean, he, he, we were talking about him, so it's, it's working. True. <laughs> uh, meanwhile, Jack's apartment, um, he gets into an unexpected negotiation with his nanny.
3: I'm sorry you had to wait for this, Sherry. I hope there was enough shark meat in the refrigerator for one of your sandwiches. Well, hold on. Uh, this is the same amount I was paying you when you worked full time, uh, and now you're just working nights. It's the only you understand my confusion. I'm actually paying you more money to be here half the time. I'm not saying that what you do isn't important. Avery and I appreciate you, and Liddy just adores you. But let's just say you're at the market buying potatoes. And that 10-pound bag of potatoes costs $400. But then the uh, grocery concierge tells you that a five-pound bag of potatoes costs four hundred dollars. Well, that would be shocking, right? Because a five-pound bag should only cost two hundred dollars. What I'm saying is that we value what you do, but this rate is, uh, unreasonable. So, what do you want to do? I want to resolve this, uh, fairly and amicably. And I don't want any bad blood. So, it, it was nice negotiating with you, and uh, here is all of your money.
1: First off, Jack is being a bad capitalist in the scene. As he should know, any good or service is worth whatever people are willing to pay for it. But, well,
0: until it inconvenience,
1: yeah. You know. But But on a more serious note, like his analogy, I mean, is kind of off like... I mean, okay, with the, with the potatoes, like something half the size should cost half as much. Which I mean, maybe, but I mean, I think what you see all the time in the grocery store, you have different sizes of things, and it's not necessarily an exact like two to one or you know relationship. Also, I mean, you could easily argue that working overnight instead of during the day is worth more. Is worth more money. So I don't know. I guess we're leaning into the whole thing know. of like Jack and as good a negotiation as he thought, but it's like you know for the Uber capitalist like thing we get from Jack, like it's it does seem like a little uh out of his
0: out of his normal
1: character but yeah
0: yeah but i mean i mean i'm all for taking the white man's money in terms of sticking it to him because obviously he's too cowardly to or too cowardly or too uh lazy or whatever to find a new babysitter um so hey man you can get as much so she's doing 400 a night it's 2800 a week how much is that a month She's getting out of him.
1: So in a, if you're talking a four week a month, and yeah. that's like eleven thousand two hundred. Oh my God, that's so much money. <laughs> yeah, I mean four hundred. If you're saying, I mean, I'm
0: not saying it's not worth it. I'm sure she probably should be paid more for what she's doing, but I mean that's so much money to get on a month on a monthly basis. And um, I mean, obviously she could only do that once. She couldn't do multiple homes unless she's doing it also during the day. But I don't imagine she'd be able to do that during the day. Because long as she had time to sleep or do anything else. I mean, hey, that's good Maybe she doesn't sleep. Make it. Maybe she doesn't. You're right. <laughs> ah, but back in Liz's office, she's enjoying Murder on the Orange Express, the 1974 film uh, based on Agatha Christie. Uh, the Agatha, Agatha Christie novel, which, did you read Agatha Christie? Yes. Oh, plenty. Yeah. 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 She was mostly, like, mystery thriller. Murder, sort of Murder mystery, thing. Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah, usually, like, I don't know, I feel like, I don't want to say, like, simple, but, like, whodunits. Like, there's a crime, there's an investigation, and at the end, like, the person is, you know, found out. I mean, there are plenty of twists. Like, she subverted the form in ways, but, like, still the general through line was pretty much, you know, crime, investigation, like, big yeah. speech at the end where the detective explains what happened and who who done it.
0: Did they, was she good about... Giving you the clues that you could have figured out on your own, or is it really like you didn't know until the very end, like until it's revealed? Like, were you as you're going along, are you able to piece it together, or see things coming, or was it written in? A I way think so. Like, At least most uh, ones
1: that I can remember. There, there. Well, there was a there was a very famous one which I'll spoil. The plot, but not which one it is. But basically, okay. it, she it kind of the first time of an unreliable narrator, and it turned out that like the narrator is the one who did the murder, but because he's narrating it, so it's, like, it's the big twist at the end. It's like, oh, by the way, I'm the murderer or whatever. And from like the what I read the way that was received at the time, like it was like really controversial. People were like what like people you know thought that they should just because it was such a new thing. I guess like at the time that like people you know weren't prepared for it, and I don't know so. She definitely. Um, I don't know. I mean, uh, although she wrote a lot of conventional mystery, she also played. Yeah, like I said, she played with the form in a lot of ways. I mean, now of course, on the narrator, especially post Gone Girl, is is super <laughs> like prevalent in a lot of fiction. Yeah. But at the time, back. I mean, back then, I mean, because that was that that one was written. I mean, I don't even know, thirties, forties, like or maybe even earlier than that, a really long yeah. time ago now. So it was definitely you know.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, uh, I, I I can't speak for the book. I'm sure the book is fine, but I think Murder on the Orient Express is is kind of like a timeless story or murder mystery, uh, especially like sort of how it unravels and you learn everything. You learn who was responsible and the killer and all that. Um, I haven't seen the 1974 version, but I I did see the more recent one. It was a few years ago, um, and if you hate Johnny Depp, you get to watch Johnny Depp die. So that's. Spoiler. That's right. something, uh, but yeah, I thought it and super good soundtrack too. That was the biggest thing that I took away from it. The soundtrack was awesome, um, but they also did that very. I, I guess it feels clunky now because like everything is trying to set up a universe. Everything is trying to set up a franchise. I got
1: the Christie extended universe. I oh god. At,
0: what would that be? That AU? A. The Agatha Christmas. Ag Universe Ag um, Universe Agatha Universe oh, oh God! God. Um, but they do like a really clunky thing where at the end of um, Oran Express, uh, Cluso or gets a gets a news ripping or something about a murder on the Nile, which like just oh my God! It just sets it up. For a death a on the Nile, which we, was
1: supposed to come out this Christmas, but I think it got pushed back. Pushed back because of
0: COVID and everything. Um, but it just—it felt like it's the same as like at the end of Batman Begins, a, re- a movie I know you've seen a million times, yes. where <laughs> Commissioner Gordon gives Batman a Joker card. Like it's just—it's so heavy-handed that it's just like, oh brother. Um, but it did lead to The Dark Knight, which is one of the best, like, superhero movies of all time. Arguably one of the better movies of the, tw- of the aughts. When oh, did that come out? Two thousand eight. Sure. Oh, jeez, I need to rewatch that movie, it's so good. Anyway, Murder on the Orient Express is playing in Liz's office, and Jenna needs to get her out of her spinster funk.
3: A repulsive murderer has been murdered. But in which of the two ways that I have suggested? In the simpler way by the mafioso disguised as a wagon V conductor? No.
2: Ah, oh, in the more complex way Liz, than I... enough. I am not going to just sit and watch you plummet into spinsterhood. Why are you talking so fast? Because I'm upset. Also, I've been taking these new Czechoslovakian organ slimming pills. They contain a little bit of meth, which is something my body needs anyway. Listen, I'm not going to let you wallow like this. I am taking you out so you can rebound sexually. What? No. Now, when I'm rebounding, I like to do it with an NBA player, because well, it's fun wordplay, and they're mean. Well, thank you for that disgusting offer but i will be in editing all night putting together the best of tracy jordan to replace this week's show so can't go out too bad well i'm not giving up i didn't give up when eric roberts abandoned me in the desert and i won't now no judgment liz mr roberts thought i was dead (sighs) it's It's never too late for now two three
3: it's (laughs) never too late
2: there you are
3: Great, you just ruined a really boss take. We're recording a song called It's Never Too Late For Now. It's about that delicious little mystery I call life.
2: Oh my God, that sucks. Come on, we gotta go to editing. No, I'm not going to
3: editing. I'm in here shredding away like a righteous axe master and my arthritis is acting up. Do you have any ibuprofen?
2: Uh, my fanny pack is in my office, in my mini fridge. I like my tampons to be cold. I'll be downstairs.
0: So this is where if you're following along with the mystery, um, the first clue that we'll have is the uh, meth pills that Jenna's taking. It's something that comes back in. Uh, we're getting ready to set up the next one with the fanny pack, as well as the uh, the titular line of the episode. Uh, it's never too late. So it's it's interesting going back and watching this, just seeing how much they actually do set up um, all the pieces in place. Um, we have Liz going to the editing doc, where sort of it all it all kickstarts uh, the murder mystery or murder mystery the date mystery all that fun stuff to uh, it's always fun to watch the to because that's why i was asking like if they set up the clues to know because i remember reading a book years ago uh, i think i might still have it somewhere but it's a book called shadow man and it gave me a lot of like science yeah i had a theme song with it every time you open the book um uh it reminded me a lot of science of the lambs uh, it's about this, I think she was FBI, CIA, one of those. Um, she was a detective and her, her husband and her daughter were killed by a murderer and was, she's on the lookout to find them and get you know retribution, blah, blah, blah. But these quote unquote twist slash reveal of the killer, I felt like it wasn't satisfying and it didn't make sense. It felt like a twist for the twist's sake. And I don't want to spoil it just because it's not exactly a big book but someone might be wanting to read it. And I don't know, but it's, and I don't remember there being clues along the way to help you determine who it actually was before they reveal it. It just seemed like an app, an out of nowhere twist. So I think like with something like this, like they're planting the seeds along the way. So, you know, you can go back and watch it and see that it wasn't just apropos of nothing. It was something planned. So I, I more appreciate that in the storytelling. <laughs>
2: Welcome to broke black novel. You need to go black, Marty.
3: This is Liz. Liz. This is Liz. I am supposed to represent NBC in a negotiation that Rex Belcher of the American Journal of Meetings rated four chairs
2: 4 I'm sorry, is that another magazine about meetings?
3: Meanwhile, I just got worked over by my Trinidadian night nurse. I made every mistake you can in a negotiation. I spoke first, I smiled, I negotiated with myself. If I had done that during a mock negotiation in business school, Professor Widmer would have spanked me in front of the whole class. Bare bottom. Okay, but it's harder with
2: someone like a nanny, right? There's an emotional
3: component. She takes care of your baby. I mean, you just had a structural, analytic insight. Professor Widmer would have given you a good job spanking. What is business school? The reason Sherry can manipulate me is because she has leverage. Eight pounds of screaming, toothless, soft-skulled leverage. Loves Sherry and Sherry assumes that I love Liddy.
2: But you do, right? Yes.
3: But Sherry can't prove that I love Liddy. So I renegotiate under new conditions. Specifically, that I hate my newborn daughter. Wow.
2: Jack, I could never pretend to hate my beautiful baby daughter, Emily Dickinson the cat.
3: Oh boy.
1: Where's Paul Giamatti in the editing I game? know. but Ta- 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 We get Ta- Donna? Donna, Ta- Donna Donna,
0: Donna, Donna. Yeah, we Donna, get Donna. Uh, she's doing her best. Um... And we're gonna start cutting out scenes just for sake of time, and also we don't want to play the full episode. Um, but so, Donna gets struck in with food sickness. Uh, has to food sickness. Food?
3: No, I
1: mean food no, fun fun I mean you're fun fun. right, but I've never heard it said that way before. No, well, maybe food I've, sickness. yeah, isn't that a thing? I mean, food sickness. I. Maybe, I don't know. I've always heard food poisoning. Food poisoning. But, is food, I mean, I got what you meant clearly,
0: but. Anyway, she gets struck with food poisoning. <laughs> food sickness. Food sickness. Just sick from eating food. <laughs> yeah, um, Fair enough. We get struck with food poisoning and has to uh, leave the editing bay for the night, which is another clue that's being set up. Um, and Jenna. Uh, seeing an opportunity uh, finally convinces Liz to at least go out to a discotheque for the night, but gives her the ultimatum that if she hates it for any reason, that they will leave. And while Jack does his best to negotiate with Sherry um, the new rates that he's trying to instill, unfortunately, thankfully rather, uh, his emotions for his newborn daughter comes through and he actually will pay the, uh, the nanny whatever she desires because... He's the baby starts crying, baby and starts he's trying. not going to take care of it. Right, yeah. Anyway, at the um, at the discotheque, <laughs> uh, Liz and Jenna are trying to get... Well, Jenna is trying to get Liz comfortable to stick around. And there is like a running bit in this, and I can't quite make it out. Um, but there's a song that's like playing in the background. Um, That from what I was able to find in my research, that it, it's, it's Tina Fey is singing it. But it's like basically what it is is all the words are just summarizing the episode. Because like later on when we get to the other side of the fight, like what caused the fight, there's there's a line in about um, putting up kids for adoption. Like it's basically Liz's life in song form. But it's like this really sappy, sad song. Like it doesn't fit the mood of where, of where they are. Like I feel like it should be like pulsing music rather than, you know, Liz singing Seventeen again or something like that.
2: So, soft music, ample seating, and I know how much you like clearly marked fire exits. Don't worry, I'll find something to hate. Oh, okay, here we go, this sucks. This place is called Canal Yards Project. What does that mean? I don't know, it used to be a factory or something. Nope, hipster nonsense, I'm out. No, you are not leaving because of the name. Excuse me, can I order two Diet Cranberry Beach Bangs, please? You
1: got it, I'm gonna to need to see your ID, miss.
2: How about this for ID? I participated in Hands Across America. Nerds, where is it? Okay, my license is missing, which is my cue to go home.
3: Excuse me, is this yours?
2: Oh, yeah, thanks.
3: I recognize your hair from across the room. I mean, what is that? Is that chestnut?
2: Oh, the color is actually called Grandfather's Shoe.
3: Uh, can I get you a drink? I'm having white wine with ice cubes and Sprite.
2: That's my drink. I keep a thermos of it by my toilet. You misheard me.
3: Okay. Uh, excuse me. Can I get two more of these, please? (laughs) So. Did they make your droids wait outside, too?
2: Seriously, why can't droids go into the cantina? I mean, Ponda Baba can try to shoot Luke.
3: But a protocol droid is somehow a problem.
0: Hello there, nerds. Um, This is just a quick uh, interruption into the podcast. uh, from uh, In between recording and editing, uh, I was actually able to track down the song that uh, is played during the canal yards scenes or at least one of them I, I really cannot find the song where it's talking about adoption but anyway uh it's a song that tina fey did write sort of i guess assuming on set just as a goof uh for things like this just like a background track uh but it is called paints and brushes uh and it's uh it's mostly just sort of it's it's what's well, parroting like joni mitchell songs and, and songs of that ilk or those sarah mclaughlin songs but it's more like there is a particular line where she says i'm not allowed to joke about tampons i want to make joke about tampons and things like that And it, that was sort of a barb against uh producer of 30 rock irene burns and who she actually does name drop also in the song but it's just it's probably one of those things they didn't really expect to get out but we're in the internet age and you really can't keep secrets anymore a lot of the times, so Uh, Thankfully, someone had found this and posted it up online, and we were able to get it and share it with you. So enjoy Paints and Brushes by Tina Fey. I
2: knew a man called Richard Dean. Paints and Brushes, Paints and Brushes. Spent all weekend sweeping floors and cooking beans. Paints and Brushes, Paints and Brushes.
1: It sounds like Jewel when and at her
0: yeah like I wish I, I can I can't figure out what she's saying yeah it's
1: hard to make out the any the words
0: yeah but it's definitely like a parody of all those like Sarah McLachlan sad sappy songs but uh, it's I uh, the only one I can pull out is the one that comes up later is singing about adoption and stuff but uh, oh wow so meanwhile. Uh, not only do we learn what Pete and uh, Frank's band's name Sound Mound which is a terrible name for our band Um, they're already in the Beatles uh, Yoko Ono era of their uh, breakup which we forgot to mention the first crack in their story uh, would be uh, the arrangement of who wrote the song as well as Pete being the glory hog of saying when we get to the Grammys I talk you don't So they're already pushing it really hard that they're gonna be broken up by the end of the episode. Um, But We also get one there that we skipped uh, where Frank is dating someone named Yuki, who's Asian. And of course, it's supposed to be a stand-in for Yoko Ono, much like John Lennon and Yoko Ono. Oh, is that the reference? I feel like we don't have to explain that reference. Hopefully you know who Yoko Ono is. Uh, But back at the Canal Yards project, Liz and Anders are hitting it off.
1: they have a lot of ice in their glasses of white wine mixed with Sprite.
2: Well, yeah,
0: it helps water it down.
3: I'm having a really nice time with you, Liz.
2: Me too, Anders. I like how you don't have one weird little tooth.
3: Thank you. Look, I was going to go back to my hotel room, get Eat, Pray, Love on SpectreVision and make fun of it.
2: Ugh, Julia Roberts in a movie about eating? Give me Kirstie Alley, somebody who knows what she's doing.
3: Come on. Let's go.
2: Oh, boy. That does sound fun, but I really shouldn't. Yeah, I came here with my friend, so I'm just gonna stay here.
3: Let's fight! Oh, typical nightclub
1: malarkey. Whoa.
3: You okay?
2: Oh, my heart's pounding like I'm watching Oprah's farewell season. stupid universe was telling me to get a cat and be a spinster and now i don't know what's it trying to tell me with you
3: liz look i don't believe in signs or messages from the universe you know what i do believe it's never too late for now
0: it's never it's never That version actually sounds pretty good. Auto-tune. Yeah. Or they actually have to tell me I've always thought that line clunky. Uh, because, I mean, we had ju- in, in the journey of the episode, we just heard her hear that very uncommon phrase from Pete. Uh, and she even had a comment on, oh, my God, it sucks. So I guess you could blame it that she was a little tipsy um that she didn't think to think where the reference comes from. But I mean it's such a like obscure thing to say that I feel like if you'd heard that earlier in the day you would make a connection like, wait a minute, Pete said this. Or maybe I don't know, maybe she was thinking, oh maybe it's a more common thing than I thought. Yeah. Or she's really infatuated and she just wants to get laid. So
1: So, well so to me yeah, to me that was the big tip off of what happened because like up till then I was like, oh did Jenna just like hire like some like male prostitute or something? But it's like then that, that line's like, wait a second more people must have right. been involved. Yeah.
0: Yeah. been so, a whole cast of, of nerds that, that, that got involved. So Jack with his newfound uh, negotiation talents that he's learned from his nanny uh, is able to persuade the, is it the cable town board that he's persuading? Yeah. It, it, okay. It's,
1: it's right. It's the, right. Cause they're negotiating the, how the fees. The that, yeah. Cause, okay. So typically like um, network or like, yeah, cable companies, carriers, whatever pay fees to cable channels to carry them. That's a certain percentage or amount or whatever. So, like they say in here, it's unprecedented. Like typically, they don't do that for broadcast networks because they, I guess, because they're freely available to everyone over the air and make the most of their money through advertising. So that doesn't typically happen. But basically, that's when you hear like you know when they say that like a la carte buying every single channel is going to be too expensive because like ESPN is you know. $5 per user and, you know, HTTV maybe is a dollar or two. I mean, I'm, I don't know the numbers, but anyway, that, that's basically what they're negotiating how much they're going to pay to carry that channel on their, like, lineup.
0: Wow. What a shitty business.
1: Well, I mean, it makes sense to some degree. Like, I mean, they're, I mean, especially <laughs> cable channels because they have to pay to, they don't make as much money as from advertising as the broadcast sets. I mean, well, now they don't, like, but even... You know, back 10, 20, whatever years ago, they, you know, they didn't, they, they make a lot of their money through So parachutes. they're
0: paying NBC to run nbc programs on their cable network well just to have a channel at all i mean i get it but that just seems like if it is a free channel in terms of
1: well right, the, the, right that, that's why that's i think that's why they make a the comment about that being unprecedented because that doesn't that doesn't actually happen for broad like abc nbc like generally don't get carriage fees or anything like they, that's just to have a plot for this show i guess in general it's just like and it, i don't think even like hbo and premium channels because they have their own separate feed like that's it's just literally like you know like fx amc right. I mean, you, you know how people always make fun of, like, of, like, you know, the, all the extended channels that no one ever watches. Like, that's how they stay afloat. Or that's how they stay afloat. Obviously, it's more folded. But because, you know, if you get $0.10 cents or $0.20 cents even per user and the user base is millions, then that
0: okay. adds up. Hmm. So Yeah, but obviously that has changed a lot with streaming.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's still, it still happens. Like, ESPN still, like, commands, like... Right. I think ESPN is expensive, but... Right, because of, obviously, the landscape in general, it's... That's why... You know, channels are folding more often Mm. because you know if if you're if you're a little watch channel that isn't getting much ad advertising revenue, if you're not getting cable carriage fee or satellite whatever carriage fee, then you're you know you're not making a lot of money. So
0: interesting business dynamics. Hooray! That's what you get here. Yeah, exciting. (laughs) Yeah, that's why no one talks about it. Um, But back at the uh, TGS offices. Uh, Liz comes in from her walk of shame, but she's pretty happy about it. But then starts to notice some odd interactions between the rest of the crew and Jack. Oh, way to go, Liz! Had a girl walk of shame!
3: You're a good-legged
2: Ah, I see you opened the Scotch NBC sent us that week we came in third. I'm guessing your meeting went well.
3: Home run, Lemon. And uh, speaking of baseball metaphors, I see that someone... Got to first base, which is what I consider sex with a stranger.
2: Okay, fine. I had a one-night stand. And it was not the worst. And maybe you're right. I shouldn't give up just yet. Hmm. Still, I can't believe I did that. And I wouldn't have if everything hadn't gone so perfectly. I mean, what if I'd been stuck in the edit room all night? Or if I hated the club and left. Or what if Anders yeah, Anders hadn't found my license.
3: Don't overthink it, Lemon. Stranger things happen every day. I once saw an internet video of a mouse and a bird that are friends. Don't overthink it.
0: Uh, I feel like for the sake of everything, we have to let the final scene play out, um, just because it explains it, it explains the whole it all, it sums it all up, and it does it in a really good way. It doesn't waste time; it uh, it almost mirrors the uh, Orient Express. Uh, say, really ju- like just like
1: an Agatha Christie detective reveal, you might say. Is yeah. How it goes. Um,
0: it's it's I think it's it's really well done uh, series like unfolding of series of events. So. Um, we'll 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 cut in and, and leave our comments and things like that as it goes on. Um, but it is a longer scene. Uh, this is the first time we've seen Kenneth this entire episode though, right? It's the first time i have seen I think so, you're right. Uh, but still, no Danny. No Danny. No Danny. And they didn't
1: even have... There was literally no Tracy at all, and they still didn't have room for Danny in I this know. episode.
0: Yeah, such a shame. I mean, there
1: could have been an episode around how since Tracy wasn't there, they made Danny front center and Jenna got jealous Exactly, or, I don't
0: know. or he, yeah, I mean, just real missed opportunity. Poor Cheyenne yeah. Jackson.
2: He does his best. Last night, a repulsive act occurred at a hotel in Midtown. There are two possible explanations as to how this event came to be. A simple one and a complex one. The simple explanation is that I went to a discotheque and a handsome, interesting man fell for me. In the wake of my breakup, I allowed myself to have an experience that gave me reason to be hopeful about the future again. Very simple.
3: Uh, Great, I think we're done here.
2: Please, monsieur. There remains, of course, the complex explanation. A vast conspiracy involving multiple agents and precise, coordinated efforts. A conspiracy that begins with... The timely food poisoning of Donna Strunk. And who here has access to Donna's food? The second peculiar event, I lose my license, allowing it to be found by a handsome stranger. Serendipity? Perhaps. But how does one lose one's license out of a malfunction-proof Velcro Philly Sport Wallet. Someone must have had access to my fanny pack. I only want an ibuprofen. Then why is my ibuprofen bottle still sealed?
0: (sighs) (laughs) I like that Kenneth is an audience member. He's like, yeah, she's onto it. Uh, I can't tell what he puts on her sandwich. Um, but I, I like the additional detail that it's in one of those like just hollow rings that would have contained poison in the I don't know I guess like 18th 19th century like it's not like a vial or just a little little baggy like it's the extra throwback era of he keeps it in a little ring that he would never <laughs> actually wear like it's it's such a fun little touch.
1: It must be some kind of laxative or something I would guess. Yeah laxative powder yeah.
0: yeah i don't know what green laxative powder but i me don't either. i'm not in the market for that so I, don't, I wouldn't need to die that information
2: and then there's the matter of the wine four glasses and yet i was wide awake was my uncharacteristic energy perhaps due to the giddiness of the evening or was someone slipping me black market organ slimming pills liz i wouldn't <sighs> the conspiracy continues what pushed me out of the club when I was wavering about leaving with Anders? Yeah, I came here with my friends, so I'm just going to stay here. Let's put the baby up
0: for adoption.
3: What this? I got hit by a bird on a roller coaster.
0: You know what that's a reference to? Uh, Fabio. Very good. Yeah, a reference. reference. <laughs> yeah, that was late nineties, early two thousand. I guess he was on a. I don't know if he was on. I don't know why you'd do a roller coaster photo shoot, but he was on. He was on a roller coaster for some reason, and just happenstance got smacked in the face with a bird that was flying by, or not with the bird, but by a bird is probably how you would say that sentence.
2: Even the club was strange, almost as if it had been designed specifically for me. But who has the resources and the connections to create a Liz Lemon-themed club in one day?
3: You had to sign your crime, didn't you? You're the one who gave me those monk DVDs.
2: And what was the final straw? It was Anders saying, It's never too late. For now. A coincidence that I took as a sign from the universe.
3: Also, it's just a great song that Pete wrote. Thanks, man. Sound Mound rocks the town.
2: Shut up, both of you. So how did Anders even know that phrase? How did Anders seem to know everything about me?
3: It's white wine, ice cubes, and Sprite. She calls it funky juice. I don't know if I want to do this.
2: There's only one question I can't answer. Who was Anders? An old Harvard chum of twofers? The son of one of Jack's senator friends?
3: He certainly wasn't a Swiss prostitute that Martha Stewart recommended to me.
2: And that is the complex explanation.
3: I love that delay she has in
0: realizing that he was a prostitute. And then like, Oh, well, it's such a good timing! Uh, I would very much like to try white wine Sprite. I think it'd be, I think it'd be good if you get something. If you get both, both a sweet wine, and a lemon wine Sprite would be good. Yeah,
1: maybe that's the thing. I don't know. I've heard of like white wine spritzer, which is a white wine like seltzer, but I, I, I don't know. I guess I haven't heard of white wine Sprite, but I guess like it sounds like it could be a combination that
0: well. It seems like a self-made thing. Like obviously, yeah. it's not something that you know you find in the wild. It's something you 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 make on your own, but i'd be willing to give it a shot that lemon lime zest with a actually you,
1: you well since you don't like drier wines that, you could probably actually have oh. a drier one because like i know if you, do, if you do that with like a sweet wine it probably would be yeah, too
0: sweet it might be too sweet
1: but if you do it with like a, a mid, with a drier one it'll make it palatable for you
0: why don't you have to test it out test this theory of funny, funky juice
2: of course yeah such a conspiracy would require a group of people who knew me so well and cared about my happiness so much that it's impossible to believe. No one could ever be that lucky. Which is why I choose the simple explanation. I choose to believe that last night, Liz Lemon went out, got some, and felt good about it. And so I say goodbye to spinsterhood. Goodbye to giving up and to... Oh God, a hawk got her! Emily Dickinson!
1: Oh, poor oh Emily. God. She just can't get a fair shake in life, no, no matter how she's incarnated. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, all right, well, what what's your... Before we wrap up, since we just wrapped up the Agatha Christie storyline, kind of, what's your favorite Ag- Agatha Christie book that you've read as a child slash adult teenager?
1: It's been a while since I've written it, but probably, probably my favorite, one, definitely one of my like favorite murder mysteries ever, period, if not here, is In Then There Were None, which is the one where 10 people go off to an island and they all die off one by one. And As you might say, it's been homaged and parodied gazillions of times throughout pop culture history, hmm. but it also has, it also is famous for its big twist ending.
0: Is there a movie version of this? Oh yeah. Well, I mean,
1: movies. <laughs> th- th- I think there are a couple movies. There was BBC did a, like a three part miniseries. I think a couple years ago. Um, it and well, that's not the original title. Well, it's had several titles over the years. The first title was very okay. offensive. The second title was Ten Little Indians, and the first one was much. It was Ten Little Something, but it's it was a basically a, a racial slur that I'm not going to repeat. Yeah.
0: Oh dear.
1: Yeah. But, she named it that? Yeah. Well, you know, I, I think Agatha Christie was uh, not exactly known for her racial uh, progressiveness. But And Then There Were None is a much better title. And, I mean,
0: it's the main image on the Wikipedia version. Yes. Yikes. But,
1: and Then There Were None is a much better title and it fits in with the, the poem that is repeated often in the novel. So it works better as a title anyway and is not offensive.
0: Sagatha? Come on! We've been praising you the entire episode and you'd you leave us for that?
1: Yeah, but it's just it's its one thing that's really clever because well, I mean, I guess it, whenever you're reading a, a mystery or murder mystery you can expect some sort of twist, but like the twist out of that one is like, it i mean if you've read a lot now and you know it, it it maybe wouldn't seem as revolutionary but i'm sure at the time and being like when i was a kid in one of the earlier mysteries i read like it's just like it comes out of like it's it doesn't come out of nowhere in that there wasn't any hint whatsoever but it comes out of nowhere in that it's just so radical compared to i don't know what you would expect of a normal mystery hmm. i won't say what it is on recording but and I'll tell you if you I mean I don't know if you No, I
0: to. kind of want to watch it I mean it sounds yeah. like
1: oh well, I won't tell you then I won't tell you then yeah. because it's better to not
0: know it there's a Japanese version called so that's a that's also so it seems like it transcends cultures seems like it's something that's adaptable by oh for way, sure yeah most
3: cultures
1: I mean it's a pretty straightforward plot like a bunch of people go to an island someone's killing them off one by one and yeah mm-hmm and by the end you find out who the murderer is and what happened
0: but but you said uh, it is a satisfying conclusion like mm-hmm. when you find out what it is it's yeah. not like, like it doesn't just come out oh of the no moment. it's like, no
1: yeah it, it's I mean it's the sort of thing that's like so clever that if you hadn't thought of it it just is like wow like that was so clever I never would have thought of it I mean, I, I don't know what you've seen, so it's possible you've seen something that was inspired by it or directly like oh, influenced sure. by it. So you, you know what I mean. So you may watch it and say like, "Oh, that's not that." You know, I mean, I, I don't know, how, you know, but still, I think if, if looking at like the story basis itself, then it's I don't know. It's,
0: yeah, it seems like the most recent version is the 2004 Mind Hunters, uh, but then there's Ten Little Indians with the 98 is the 89 American version, but then there's the 74 version. It's English. I'm not sure. Which I mean, one there was definitely the BBC best. miniseries
1: a couple of years ago.
0: Any other uh, Agatha Christie novels? Maybe one with a less uh, racist name. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I mean, that's the one that stands out for the most. I mean, I, I read—I don't know, like you know, various like Perot and Mark Bull and that sort of thing. But I mean, that—that that, I mean, that's always been the biggest standout and one of the—you the, know—the my favorites that I've always remembered. So
0: anyway, our credit scene is another. Again, I use the term loosely hit by Sound Mound, um, which I, as far as I can tell, it's sort of just parodying um, Working for the Weekend by Loverboy. Uh, and it's basically just Pete and Frank singing the days of the week and saying that this lady's down for it any time of the week. Uh, it's not good, but I mean, it's just that 80s vibe of pop music. So, yeah you know. Hurrah! Final thoughts on It's Never Too Late For Now before we say adieu adieu all right. good contribution no again uh, for a filler episode uh, I think this uh, this hits the notes of what we would like to be in a filler episode of you know low stakes but still a solid thoughtful not thoughtful um, like well thought out story of you know it being a mystery and putting all the pieces in place and things like that I thought it was it, it was really well crafted uh, you know, taking a murder mystery and turning it into a comedy mystery is not something you see often done, especially not in, in a sitcom. So it, it's kind of refreshing, and I, th- and I think it stands up as one of the episodes, one of the season's strongest episodes, and definitely one of the stronger filler episodes that Thirty Rock's done thus far. You said the term "filler episode" a lot in the last minute because it's important. All right. Well, as always, thank you for joining us on Go Today. If you like what we're doing, rating and reviewing all that fun stuff, it's going to be the best way to help us out. Otherwise, we will see you in next week's episode, episode 96, season 5, episode 16, entitled TGS Hates Women.
1: Is that the one where Kristen Milioti guest stars? You got it. Oh, boy. Oh, yeah,
0: well, she basically, my interpretation is she's playing like a Sarah Silverman type character, like a very crude, crass. Well, no, no, that was her That was her former. She's um, a baby. Yeah, she's playing the very cutesy high-pitched voice, baby uh, comedian. Um, and then, of course, there's a 30-rock twist that spoils all of that by the end. But um, Yeah, and Chloe Grace Moritz makes her first appearance. Oh, boy! It's a, it's a packed episode next week. David takes out.
1: See you next time.
3: Cause she's a weekend lady. She's got that weekend style. rising, she's gonna make you smile. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, uh, uh, uh. Friday, Saturday, kinda sunny, holiday, Mondays, uh-huh, uh-huh, Cause she's a weekend woman, gonna make her mind, Gonna make it the weekend all the time. Weekend
2: Woman! Oh my god, that sucks.